Today on Elliott Wave TV, I'm talking with Brian Whitmer, who edits Elliott Wave International's European Financial Forecast and contributes to the monthly global market perspective. Hi, Brian. It's been a while. Hi, Alex. Nice to see you. Now, the FTSE's been rallying, generally speaking, on a consistent basis since the low in 2009. Uh, but do you believe that this is the end of a move, not the beginning? Why is that? Yeah, well, I mean, wave analysis is a little bit different than than conventional forecasting because we're not we're not really looking solely at the size of a move or we're not looking at the duration of a move. We're looking at patterns, right? A, an impulse wave or a, a a real bull market has a certain underlying pattern. It's five waves. It makes progress in the in the one larger degree trend, and it those waves typically don't overlap. Um, a correction, on the other hand, is 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 different. It's three waves. Those waves overlap, and and that that works to uh, interrupt the progress that was made in the previous bull market. So when I look at the, the FTSE, to answer your question, the entire structure, I mean, really over the past two decades, just looks very corrective. So if we, if we pull up a chart of the FTSE, um, this goes back to the 1999 high, which I'm calling Super Cycle Wave 3. We've got an ABC correction. I'm calling this a cycle degree wave A, and this whole pattern is just choppy and, and overlapping, especially since the 2009 low. If we look at this area in here, this is probably some kind of triangle, but then we came out and we had to thrust out of that triangle, but then this whole decline here overlaps all this area. So this broad pattern, it, it does not have the look of, of, a, of a new bull market. It has the look of a correction, and that's why I've been skeptical about this rally um, for some time now. And just as important as the UK is Germany, especially recently given the spotlight on the G20. Now, uh, the rally there looks a lot more impulsive, doesn't it? Yeah, you're right. The DAX looks impulsive since March 2009. We can see a five-wave structure uh, since then. And I, I think what's important is just how extended this rally has become, especially over the last year and a half. And I've got a chart showing that. This is the DAX back to the February uh, 2016 low, I'm calling that a wave four, and we've seen this massive plus 50% rally in just a year and a half. But now impulse waves follow a specific pattern also. Typically, what we see in impulses uh, during a first wave, that's sort of a rebound off of a low. You can think back to uh, you know, March of 09, late 09, early 2010. That was a rebound off a of low. There was a lot of skepticism in the market. People didn't really know whether the financial crisis was over. Um, as people, as more people come into the market, you know, the third waves typically see the highest uh, volume, the highest breadth and momentum. That's when everybody's getting into the market. And then by the time wave five comes around, which is where I think we are here in the DAX, you know, the market's extended, the, the fundamentals are starting to weaken, and, and that's what occurs uh, into, into a high. And I, I think we're seeing that now in the DAX. I'm just showing a 21-day rate of change here on the bottom. We've seen that subtly weakening uh, momentum as this rally has progressed. So I think that's a good indication that we are, um, you know, in the late stages of this rally. And now, Brian, a market principle that's commonly held is that if financials and banks are not leading or market performing versus the broader market, it's a huge warning flag that the market should not be trusted. Do you agree? Yeah, I do agree with that, um, especially with finance. I mean, there's a lot of these kind of uh, cross-market uh, correlations that, that people look for. Some are valid and some aren't. Dow theory, for example, is one that we follow pretty closely where, you know, you want to see the transports and the industrials kind of confirming each other. I think finance may be even more important because uh, today, you know, finance is, is the lifeblood of every company. Companies have to have access to the 
to the credit markets. Companies have to have um, access to capital. And so what we want to see in a healthy bull market, we want to see the banks and financial companies confirming the broad market. And that's exactly what we're not seeing in Europe today. If we take a look, for example, at the Eurostoxx 50 index, that's, the, that's up here on the top, that's the broad market, and we compare that to the banks index, there's a huge divergence going on. Stocks have, uh, the, the broad market's been rallying since March of 2009, and the banks have just been almost crashing. So um, this is not the sign of a healthy bull market. You know, we've seen, like I said, with, the, with, with Britain, we've got a, a counter-trend rally. Then in Germany, we've got sort of this exhausted uh, late-stage rally. Now we've got diverging rallies in Europe as a whole, and this is just not the, the picture that you want early in a, in a healthy bull market. Now, switching gears a bit, it's sad to say that terrorism across Europe remains such an unfortunate pressing issue. And it's something you've written about in the European financial forecast. You recently showed a chart that illustrated that European terrorism has not actually affected the greater market trajectory. Can you take us through that? Sure. I, I was watching an interview you did with Matt Lampert at the Socionomics Institute, and he was kind of you know, laying out the evidence that we've compiled over the years that really show that these external shocks, whether it be terrorism or natural disasters, they really don't impact the market the way that a lot of people think they do. I took a chart of the Eurostoxx 50 index uh, back through 2014, and I just started plotting uh, you know, various uh, attacks over the years. And the two that were kind of interesting were uh, the Charlie Hebdo attack in early 2015 and then the Paris attacks. And this kind of demonstrates that the markets had a, a complete opposite reaction to these attacks. After Charlie Hebdo, we were up 25%. After the Paris attacks, we were down 25%. So that kind of illustrates just this odd behavior of the market. It doesn't behave the, the way you would think it would. Then if we look at the, at the markets over the past year and a half, I've counted about a dozen large and small terrorist attacks, beginning with Brussels bombings. We have the London Bridge attack uh, recently. Um, and the market has risen this entire time. So I think the broader point is not so much related to terrorism, but it's related to external shocks to the market. I mean, if you're, if you're managing your investments based on the idea that you can somehow look forward, engage the likelihood of external shocks and manage your investments that way. I think that's the, the wrong way to look at the market. And I think that is, is going to, you know, uh, lead to poor performance over the, over the long term. Well, Brian, thanks for talking today. It's been great to get a preview as to what you covered in detail on the July European financial forecast. Thanks, Alex. Thanks for having me.